It's the next level. Do you ever fantasize about being killed? Do you ever wonder about all the different ways of dying, you know, violently? I wonder, like, what would be the most horrible way to die? Well, hello, Mr. Fancy. The following movie contains material that may not be suitable for all viewers. Your discretion is advised. From the Next Level Network of Podcasts and Studio Zero, this is not the episode as it was originally meant to be, but it's the episode we need. Starring your ghost host lacking the most, Postmortem Paul. Welcome back to What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero. Remember last episode, two weeks ago, when I said I was debating between two reviews, two movies, as to what this episode would become? Well, shit. I scrapped them both. Left for dead for another day, or night. Because, well, wouldn't you know it, Shudder went and dropped a movie on us, about less than a week ago. And it got the juices flowing, the blood dripping. The limbs are dropping, and the voices in my head screaming. It inspired me. This week's episode, episode 87, is plunging hard into the meat of a movie. From the brain trust of the writer-director of the movie The Strangers, Brian Bertino. Remember that name. 2020's Farmhouse Horror Experience, The Dark. And the Wicked. That's this week's movie review. And then I kind of went and did a thing this week. So, you guys know, it's been three years I've been doing this show. And I was kind of thinking to myself, I'm like, I wonder how much the show has evolved. I've always kind of had this thing. Especially when I'm editing. Sometimes, once I've uploaded a show, sometimes I'll listen to my own show. I've always ha- kind of had this thing of, I can't expect my audience to listen to me if I wouldn't listen to me. So, I always at least have to listen to at least half of an episode, just to make sure it sounds good to me. And anyways, just thinking over the past three years of doing this show, I was like, I wonder how much the show has actually evolved. So I went back and I listened to the episodes for the movie The Ritual, or the movies The Ritual, Strangers Pray at Night, and Terrifier. It was interesting to see how different this show is from then. I mean... 
probably the one thing that I notice the most, and this is something that I would probably notice that I don't know so much the audience would notice, but I was nervous. Very, very nervous when I would record shows. Um, they were very scripted. Very, like, it's funny, like, okay, like, my intros are that I, you know how I just did that whole thing, you know, welcome back to what lurks behind Podcast Zero and all that stuff. I always script that part. Oh, it's written word for word. What you guys hear is very rare that I ad-lib that part. Just because I want that intro to, like, it's got to snap. But after that, it's just point notes, and I just go with it. Back then, like, especially listening to, like, the Ritual episode, I noticed that I was pretty much reading almost the whole episode. And it's like, wow, like, I guess I didn't realize how much I've gained confidence over the past three years. The other thing I noticed, and this is funny coming from a guy like me, but I never realized back then how much I cursed. I mean, okay, this is an adult show. You guys know I let the F-bombs fly sometimes. But especially if I'm very nervous or I'm very anxious about something, I swear very excessively. Like, I put sailors to shame. (laughs) And I was listening to some of my old episodes, and I'm like, dude, why are you so angry? (laughs) It was was kind of humorous. Um, And the other thing that I noticed about the show was, like, the intros back then, I used to do a lot of like news related stuff. Like I'd be like, well, this week, you know, Michael Myers met his sister and they went out and okay, well, whatever, something stupid. But no, I would usually talk about like movie news or, you know, this waxwork, waxwork records releases coming out and stuff like that. And it's funny because three years later, I'm listening, especially news about different movies that are being filmed or coming out, and it's like, they've come out, I've already reviewed them, or I didn't like them, or... <laughs> and it's it's kind of funny, because it's like almost like listening to a time capsule. And it was just very interesting to go back and and see where the show was three years ago, as opposed to now. Probably the biggest notice, like biggest thing that I noticed, and this is a personal critique. It's something that I, I think I've even apologized on this show for. I don't know why, but somehow or another, I gained a small, very annoying lisp, and I don't know why. I don't know where it came from, but I noticed that the older episodes that I did, I didn't have that. But I mean, it is what it is. Shit happens. But, yeah, it was just, you know, I I got thinking about it. It was like three years. Has the show evolved much? I mean, in some ways, it's still the same show it's been. Um, But, yeah, especially the fact, like, the two things that really stood out was uh, especially, like, how scripted the shows were. Like, even, like, the hammy intros and whatnot. I like to ham it up sometimes. I'm not going to lie. I mean, that's what most of the movies I review do they ham it up so why shouldn't i have fun with it too but at the same time it was just like the cursing it was like wow you were an angry little man weren't you (laughs) but anyways moving on from that i'm not gonna spend a whole lot of time at the beginning of this show doing an opening intro and whatnot because the movie that i'm gonna be talking about this week 
the notes are a plenty, so um, there's a lot to talk about. But I mean, oh, since we last met, you know, two weeks ago, whatever. I'm not gonna lie. I still have watched a crap ton of movies, with the odd baseball game thrown in there because spring training has now started, and yay for baseball. I know, not the podcast you want to hear that on, but I love my baseball. And I don't get into all the politics and what, I don't care. And this whole we're all in this together stuff and, you know, all, that, all their little things they do, that's their business and whatever. I I just watch the games. Most, as in today's game, you know, Tigers and the Yankees, and it was strictly being aired through the Yankees television network uh with the yes network or whatever and i was like i'm not listening to you guys so i turned the volume down on that and played some leads up when all the game was on like i don't when it comes to sports and whatnot i don't get into the whole politics thing i remember when the nfl season was starting how many people were like i'm not watching this year if they kneel during the anthem it's a song get over it oh i'm gonna get shot down for saying that but anyways um no uh don't read into the politics. Anyways, whatever. No sports talk. Except for the one movie I did watch. I'm not going to say this. I, I watched Major League with Charlie Sheen and Tom Berenger and Corbin Burnson because that movie is hilarious. The whole Joe Boo thing. Oh my God. It's so hilarious. But yeah, I watched... um. Let's see, what else did I watch? I watched Adam Green's Frozen, finally. And, wow, that was a damn good movie. That's the first movie in years that actually made me squirm. I do not squirm easy. And, I mean, I'll be honest. Like, most of these movies, you know, they're... <laughs> the the graphics and the, the gore and whatnot, I look forward to it. I don't... I, I smile. You know, sometimes I laugh if it's really cheesy, but I don't squirm. That movie made me squirm, and I loved every second of it. It was awesome. What else did I watch? I watched um, the theatrical version of Dawn of the Dead from 1978. I have the Second Sight box set. Oh, yeah. Three beautiful versions of that movie in 4K, and I've watched two of the three now. I'm spacing it out. I didn't want to watch all three all in a row because by the time I'd get to the third film, I'd be like, mm, I've seen all of this over the past, you know, so many hours or days. <laughs> so I've been spacing it out, and I've watched the theatrical version and the extended director's cut, I believe, was... Well, they call it the can, the cons version or whatever. And then there's the Argento cut I have left. I'll be watching that one soon. But and I've been slowly knocking off the extras and that that beautiful box set. My God, I'm not going to talk much about the movie because uh, sometime this year I am reviewing the movie. That is a definite. But the box set is gorgeous. I watched Robert Englund's 976 Evil. Forgot how much I love that movie. It's a bad movie. I know it is. I still love it. Hmm. Elvira's Haunted Hills from 2001. That's a good one. 
I'm not. Do I say it now? Yeah, I'll say it now. You guys are going to hear it anyways because I eventually will review it. But I like it more than Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Oh my god, blasphemy. How dare you say that? But here's my thing with that. Like, Elvira's Mistress of the Dark is that annoying storyline where we take, you know, creepy said icon and put them in modern day Americana and laugh as, you know, they are an outcast and an outsider trying to fit into normal preppy society. Um, I hate that storyline. Because it, in a lot of ways, it's a mockery of people who live an alternative lifestyle. And that is something that has always bothered me. Um, the Adams Family. As much as I love The Adams Family. I mean, I, I grew up with the TV series. I loved the two, well, three movies from the 90s. But everyone forgets that third one. Um, because it wasn't Raul Julia. And, you know, it was Tim Curry and playing Gomez and... Uh, Daryl Hannah, I believe, was playing Morticia, and there was no Christina Ricci, so a lot of people were like, "Well, I don't care for this one." But and it was straight to video, <laughs> you know. But I mean, it was still funny. It was a good movie. But again, it was the whole idea of and monsters again, and the monsters were more normal than everybody else around them. And I've always had a thing about that storyline. It's like, why do we do this? Like, it's not. It's funny, but it's not because to a certain degree, you're just make you're just poking fun at the dark, creepy one. And then that's the thing is then like you see on the Internet, you know, these stupid memes or whatever they call them where it's like, which one was your favorite creepy girl? Well, OK, creepy to you. But to those of us who might like that, that's not creepy. That's just them being them. Um, and I know you're like, wow, he takes that a little too seriously, but it's not that I hate the movies. It's just, it's a, it's an overused storyline where with Elvira's Haunted Hills, the reason why I like that one so much is because it was an homage and a tribute and a love letter to the old Gothic hammer films and the Corman films of the sixties and seventies and done with that beautiful tongue-in-cheek humor that Elvira brings, and it was just very well-crafted. I know it was way under the radar. It didn't have half the budget that Mistress of the Dark had, but Haunted Hills was just... It was just... It, it was what horror fans wanted to see Elvira doing. We wanted to see Elvira in her element, not in normal Americana's element. You know what I mean? So that's why I've always liked that one more. Uh, what else did I watch? I watched The Doom Generation, which I know when I mentioned that movie, like a lot of people are, you know, baffled. They're like, what movie is this? I've never heard of this. It was from 1995 and it was part two of a three part trilogy by the director, Greg, or I believe he pronounces his name, Greg Araki. He's gone on to do, like, episodes of Riverdale and whatnot. Like, he's actually become a very successful director. But back in the 90s, he was a, a very independent director with a message that he wanted to convey to the audience. And he didn't care if it appealed to the mainstream or not. He, the mainstream success was not his, his vision at that time. So he had three movies. He had There Was Totally Fucked Up, The Doom Generation, and Nowhere. Nowhere was how I came to find out about all these movies because 
the soundtrack was released, and the soundtrack had like the Chemical Brothers. It had the band Hole. It had Elastica, Radiohead, 311, Chuck D, Marilyn Manson, um, the London Suede. It was a lot of the bands that I was listening to at that time. Um, so I got the soundtrack, and then I was like, it, you know, I'm thinking to myself, I got to see this movie. <laughs> like, why do I have the soundtrack if I've never seen the movie, right? And came across the VHS. As a matter of fact, I used to own the VHS. It's a sort of a thing I regret because I didn't hold on to it, and I should have. But anyways, I had the movie nowhere, and doing research into the film, came to find out there were two other parts to this trilogy and I was like oh shit I loved the movie Nowhere very fucked up movie but I loved it and I think I loved it because it was so out of the norm it was just yes it's a day in the life of some kids in Los Angeles throwing an alien that's trying to kill them all and a lot of weird themes and drug related themes homosexual related themes um, a lot of identity themes and as a teenager in the 90s, that was us. We really didn't know what the fuck we were doing. And so this movie just was... It, it, basically, to sum it up, on the soundtrack, there's an opening line of dialogue where he says, L.A. is like nowhere. Nobody knows where what they're doing and where they're going. Like I'm paraphrasing it. I don't have the actual quote. But anyways, everybody here is lost. That's basically what he says. And it was how we felt in the 90s. Like, we were just, we were completely lost. So this movie, like, is blows my mind, and I'm like, I gotta find the other two. Well, Totally Fucked Up is, like, impossible to find. I'm sure I will one day, but it is a very hard movie to get my hands on. Doom Generation, on the other hand, I've been able to get my hands on it, and I do actually own a digital copy of it. I've found DVD, but it, there's no Blu-ray release of this movie. Anyways, long story short, because I babbled probably a little too much, too long about this movie, it was Rose McGowan's feature debut, <laughs> and as my friend says, it's the movie for the horny Rose McGowan fan, because yes, she does appear nude in several scenes, but that's not even, like, the part that people talk about this movie this movie is very interesting because it's not a horror movie but it's scary enough to screw with your head especially the last probably 10 minutes of the movie which is probably the most haunting part of the movie and half of it is blacked out it's very interesting how they do it it's like it's flashes of scenes And man, does it stick with you. Now, unfortunately, I have the edited version. I don't have the the unrated version. And the unrated version has 11 extra minutes of footage. Which is more or less a lot more dialogue. But the dialogue's hilarious in this movie. But anyways, moving on from that. That led to Phantoms from 1998, which is another Rose McGowan movie. Not gonna lie, yes. As a young guy, I had a massive crush on Rose McGowan. <laughs> so I've seen a lot of her movies. 
which didn't bet you didn't know this. She was also in the movie Class of 1999. She was an uncredited role in that. And I did watch that. Um, I watched Donnie Darko, Blade, uh, Ringu, or Ringu, the uh, Japanese movie of The Ring, and a little movie called The Ghost Waits from 2021. Yes, very recent. It was released on Arrow Video's streaming service. There's probably another movie or two in there that I've forgotten, but those are the ones that I could think of that I wrote down. Doom Generation. If you have a chance to watch that, I recommend it. It's a very interesting flick. If anything, for a long... Some of the dialogue is just hilarious. But... Anyway... The other movie, actually, yeah, I watched one other movie. The movie I'm reviewing today. Which, what do you say we get right into that? Because I've just babbled all sorts of nothing for 20 minutes or so now. And it's just, it's it's time. It's time to get into this. So, trailer time out. Trailer time out. And when we return, that, oh, that, okay, so funny story. That was funny, too, was listening to those earlier episodes where I didn't call it the trailer time out. And every week I called it something different. It was like, okay, now we're going to take a break. Then there was another one where I was like, I'm going to play the trailer, but it's just the audio. Like, as if the audience was too stupid to realize that, you know, you can't see this, you can only hear it. <laughs> like, so it was kind of funny. Again, like, listening to those older episodes, I'm like, man, I really didn't know what I was doing yet. But anyways, trailer time out. When we return, we're going to have our shed, our shed, our shared podcast experience. I'm going to start calling it a dead cast experience. I think that sounds kind of cool. But anyways... We're going to dive throat deep into the latest Shudder exclusive that may have restored a bit of faith in this crummy talk show host uh, for the horror genre. Because, yeah, I don't want to say too much, but man, that's how you make a horror movie. Uh, The 2020 film festival favorite, The Dark and the Wicked. Here's the trailer, back in a splat. Kids. Halfway trials and plantations. Is there trouble? And you're part of family's head. saying things she would sit right beside him just whispering but she wasn't talking to him we found it in her pocket she didn't believe in God what does it matter whether you believe I found mom's diary what if she saw something out there. I told y'all not to come. There are things in this world, horrible things, wicked. 
and they come for whoever they want. I saw something. She wasn't crazy. Do you smell him? He's close now. He's not out there. He's already here. And the older fits are fucking at lobs and they're fucking garrots. Release date for this movie was tricky. Tricky to figure out, but apparently, I think I got it. Because the movie was released last year. During 2020, the year I really wish I could forget. Social media is never going to let me forget the year 2020 happened. It will be forever etched in my soul and in my brain, and there's not enough brain bleach to get rid of it. Anyway, the release date for this movie, as it stands, was November 6th, 2020. There were some virtual movie festivals and whatnot, that happened and there was the Fantasia International Film Festival August 28th it's actually when there was the official first viewing of this movie but November 6th is technically the I say the mainstream release for this movie but in actuality it had a limited run as well so there really wasn't a mainstream release. The original release date was supposed to be in April of 2020 at the Tribeca Film Festival. However, that festival was canceled altogether. We know the reason why. I don't have to get into that. As for the premiere to the mainstream masses, that was February. February. I can never say that word right. 25th, 2021. On Shudder. Movie was written, produced, and directed by Brian Bertino. Brian Bertino is a man who was responsible for the movie The Strangers. The original one with Scott Speedman and Liv Tyler. Which is a very isolated, claustrophobic... An unnerving movie. Plays with shadows. Very, very minimal score. Um, as I will discuss further into this review, you will see common themes. The man knows how to make movies. Let's never stop him from doing so. He also was associated with projects like The Black Coat's Daughter. He was a producer on that. Uh, the movie The Monster. The Strangers Pray at Night. He was the producer and writer. And which is interesting because when I was listening to that episode from three years ago, it, it, it seemed that he really didn't have much to do with that sequel. 
He was an executive producer, so he did put up some of the money for that. But in terms of the writing, he only wrote the original screenplay. And he didn't direct the second film. He was mainly a producer. Um, but he still sort of had his hand in that movie. Although that movie had a totally different feel than the original. This movie was also produced by Adrienne Biddle, who also was associated with the movies The Black Coat's Daughter, The Monster, He's Out There. Um, yeah, we'll do it this way. Cinematography first by Tristan Nyby, who also worked on the 2013 movie Bounty Killer. And the music was by Tom Schrader who worked on well he he composed the score for the 2018 horror movie Hurt which Brian Bertino was an executive producer for that movie Schrader also did music for movies like Beast Mode and he will be composing the music for an upcoming 2021 movie called Doll Eyes now there's no exact release date for that movie so possibly 2022 uh, depending on and I wrote in quotes factors I think you know where I'm going with that I'm also going to say that Tom Schrader's score can be purchased on Bandcamp the full soundtrack is on Bandcamp And it's a name-your-own-price thing. So you want to get it for free? Get it for free. If you want to give the guy some money, give him some money. I gave him some money because this is a great score. It's a great soundtrack. Um, So yeah. We're going to move on to our starring cast, which... Very small cast for this movie. I like that. There's not a lot of characters. Our first two... um, Cast members are the, the brother and sister of this movie. The sister first, uh, Marin Ireland plays Louise. She was also in movies like I Am Legend, The Irishman, uh, Man in the Woods. She's done a lot of TV work. She was part of the Homeland TV series and the Umbrella Academy, which a lot of people really like the Umbrella Academy. I know I have to go back and give it another chance. I wasn't overly thrilled with it when I watched it the first time. But then again, I watched like four episodes and kind of tapped out. So eventually I'll get back to it and give it another shot because I know that a lot of people really rave about that show. And the the brother, the son, male lead of the movie, Michael Abbott Jr. as Michael. And from looking through his uh, history of work, He was a voice actor in, I think it was two Red Dead Redemption games. He had a small role in the Daredevil series from Netflix. I think he was actually a junkie, (laughs) if I remember reading that right. He's also been in Fear the Walking Dead, and he has an upcoming uh, movie called Hell House. And it's not the Hell House, uh, the found footage movies. This is something completely different. Xander Berkeley as the priest. 
He's the priest in this movie. Uh, 242 acting credits. The man has kept himself busy. He's busy man. I only wrote down a few, but they're movies that I've seen, movies that are awesome, and movies that I remember him in, <laughs> which included T2, Terminator 2. He plays Todd, guy who gets the blade through his like throat while he's drinking the milk. Uh, he was in Air Force One, Sid and Nancy. He was in The Guardian, the William Friedkin movie from 1990. He was in A Few Good Men. You can't handle the truth. Um, I will never do that line justice. But yeah, he was in that. He was in Candyman. He plays the cheating husband to Helen. Yeah. And he was in the movie Heat with Al Pacino and Robert De Niro and Val Kilmer. That's such a great movie. That's to name a few. Like I said, 242 acting credits. The man stays busy. He was also part of the um, Wizard World uh, panel uh, for Candyman a few weekends ago that I watched. As a matter of fact, he retweeted my tweet on Twitter for me. I was kind of happy about that. It's the small things in life, really. It really is. Um, Moving forward, though, uh, Lynn Andrews as the nurse and mainly a TV actress. She's uh, appeared in shows like Superstore, <clears throat> Big Bang Theory, not a fan of that show, and Modern Family. Julie Oliver Touchstone as Mother. Yeah, They never did say what the mother's name is in this movie. She's Mother. <laughs> but um, she was a part of a film called Bloodsuckers from Outer Space, and I believe that was like in 1974 or something. It's an older film. Uh, more recently, she was in the Preacher TV series from AMC, and she was from the 2018 independent horror film Bounded by Evil. I'm going to try to pronounce this last name right. I think I can. Uh, Michael Zagst as father and he didn't have a lot of acting to his uh, credentials possibly something like 20 roles and that was about it uh, he did have an uncredited role in the movie Fight Club though and he was also in a movie called Divine Access Tom Nowicki as Charlie and 154 acting credits to this man Including one that I actually remembered very well. He was Coach Ed Henry in Remember the Titans. Uh, he was also in the 2004 Punisher movie. He was uh, in the movie The Blind Side. I noticed he did... There was about three or four sports movies he's done. Uh, Remember the Titans and The Blind Side being two of them. He was in A Dolphin Tale and Dolphin Tale 2. And he was in the movie CBGB. And finally, Ella Ballantine as the young girl. Uh, basically, she's supposed to be Charlie's granddaughter, I believe. And she was also in um, a TV adaptation for Anne of Green Gables. She was in the 2014 movie The Calling. And she was part of the movie The Monster that Brian Bertini, Bertino sorry, worked on. 
The runtime for this movie is an hour and 35 minutes. It's not rated. However, there are scenes of violence, language, and disturbing imagery. The budget is unknown, but the film did gross just over 422000 worldwide in its limited run in 2020, the year where films didn't really make it to a theater. So, yes, if we were to look at this movie in, you know, let's say 2018 or 2019, 422000 worldwide would sound like shit. Considering the year it was last year, that's pretty impressive so my hat's off to this movie for making that much money in a year when people were not going to the theaters the synopsis for this film straight from the shutter website on a secluded farm a man is bedridden and fighting through his final breaths while his wife slowly succumbs to the overwhelming grief siblings louise and michael return home to help but it doesn't take long for them to see that something's wrong with mom. Something more than her heavy sorrow. Gradually, they begin to suffer a darkness similar to their mother's, marked by waking nightmares and a growing sense that an evil entity is taking over their family. And this week, I'm calling this following segment, This is How You Make a Scary Movie. Because where do I start? I'm going to start with a little story. So, this was released on Thursday, February the 25th on Shutter. I didn't get to it on the Thursday, unfortunately. Um, more, more or less for the fact that I didn't realize it was Thursday morning. Uh, sometimes that happens when you work a midnight shift. You forget what day of the week it is. So I didn't realize that this movie was had been released. So it was the next morning. The Friday morning I get home. I get home from work. And typically Friday mornings uh, I watch WandaVision. Yeah, everyone's like, well, it's a Marvel show. Whatever. So what? I like the show. It's interesting. Anyways, this past episode of WandaVision was, uh, it hit the notes, let's just say that. It was scratching at some pretty deep scars of my own personal self. So, despite it being a quote-unquote Marvel show, it's a comic book show, yeah, whatever, um, the themes and the delivery of that episode really hit home for me. So, say I was, I was in a mood. And I was like, all right, well, Dark and the Wicked, I've been anticipating this one for a bit. I'm going to watch it. Which normally, like, like, okay, for example, when I watched Donnie Darko the one morning, I specifically picked that movie. It was between that or Audition I was going to watch. Audition is a movie that I know I have to pay attention to because I have to read subtitles. So it was like, I'm too tired. I know I'm going to fall asleep and I'll get pissed off that I fell asleep in the middle of the movie. So I watched Donnie Darko, which proved to be the better choice only for the fact that I did fall asleep with the last 10 minutes left of the movie because I had just worked the night before. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to watch Dark and the Wicked, but let's hope I don't fall asleep. Well, I watched this. And this is what I wrote on my personal Facebook. And I think I even wrote it on my Twitter. This was my exact quote. This was 
fucking amazing. Everyone will be talking about WandaVision today, but this blew my mind. And apparently, I am not alone in how I felt about this movie. Bit more on that in a little bit, but I am not alone on that one. It was also kind of cool to see that when I posted that on Twitter, the tweet itself got retweeted maybe about 10 times or so, and there were a whole bunch of likes, and including the account for the movie itself started following my account. So I was like, yay, I win social media for the day. No, but um, this, this movie... Um, And I've seen a lot of people say the same thing that I felt as well. It's been a long time since we had a movie grab us from the very beginning and not let go. Now, I will say that I I also would say that about Adam Green's Frozen, but that came out in 2010. It's just me who was late to the party on that one. But I mean, in all honesty, recent movies... Even something like Hereditary, which was very odd. This movie gets compared to Hereditary. As a matter of fact, I even made that comparison myself. But Hereditary, it grabbed you. You were intrigued. You were wondering where the fuck this movie was going. But it didn't have the oomph that this movie had. First off, Brian Bertino. I said it at the beginning. He has this way of working with shadows. And lighting and the strangers. It, it had that eerie feeling about it right right out of the gate and it never let go. Um, it never let up. And the same can be said about this movie. This movie this is a dreadful movie, by the way. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put this out there right now. This is a dreadful movie about an evil entity. They call it the devil in the movie. Whether it's the devil or not, never gets answered, and I love that they don't answer that. But It picks a random, weakened family to pick apart and destroy. And to be fair, that's probably exactly how an entity like the devil would act. You know, here's a family. Sickness has taken over this family. There's separation. The the son and daughter have moved on with their lives. They're not around anymore. It's the perfect target. It's an easy prey for an evil entity to take over and steal the soul of or whatever whatever it wants to do. I like that this movie also highlights the point that sometimes bad things happen to good people. Sometimes it happens to people who weren't looking for trouble, but trouble went looking for them. Just knocked on their door and there it was, which is exactly what happened with the strangers. Again, three masked freaks, weirdos. Just happened to show up and terrorize the family. Family wasn't asking for it. They weren't looking for it. But it just happened. And that's what I love about this movie. This movie has what I call a damp emotion. And I say damp because when when you think of dampness, you think of, of a heavy feeling. I feel that this movie has like a damp feeling to it. Um, and I mean, it's right from the beginning of the movie. Right from the very beginning of the movie when you see the mother chopping vegetables. It just, it has this this feeling to it. There's no levity to this film. There is no safety. Um, the film just sits heavy. 
and it, it it continues to crush you as it goes further on right up until the ending in a very slow burn but effective way again think hereditary um hereditary i remember when i saw that at the theaters that movie just felt off it wasn't that it, it with hereditary it wasn't that it was scary it just felt off it felt dirty and not in like a pornographic kind of dirty way but just there was just something about it you just you felt like ugh i mean yes everybody makes fun of the fact that in the movie hereditary charlie's head gets knocked off by a post and i mean they they've made jokes about that on on the internet about oh here's me entering 2020 and here's what 2020 had in store for me and they show charlie's head knocked off and say i mean yes it's been used as a joke several times but this movie the movie hereditary just felt off and for this movie it has that same feeling of being off kilter something is wrong with this film it's in the same vein as hereditary is where i'm going with that the acting in this film is amazing I say amazing because it feels natural. Nothing feels forced, campy, or out of place at all. It just, everyone plays their role like you would see in real life. I mean, yes, as with all movies, dialogue is staged and dialogue is dialogue. It's it's there for its purpose. But this movie still feels very natural, and especially with the two siblings, Louise and Michael, played by Marin and Michael. They work very well off each other, very well. I mean, all the other and all the actors, honestly, they fit their respective roles just perfectly. I say like chess pieces on a board because they all play their part exactly how I, how it feels they should. Visually, though, that is where this movie wins all the marks. Um, there is, n- <laughs> there really is not enough words I can use in a short time to express how much this movie grabbed me. Um, and didn't let go. Did not let go. Very gray. Very dark. Um, again, Brian Bertino working with the shadows with just enough light to highlight what we need to see versus what we think we'll see. And that's the thing with this movie too. It's a movie of anticipation, paranoia, and isolation. Especially the anticipation and paranoia because you're watching this and at times you're finding yourself watching the background because you expect something's going to happen and then it doesn't. And then at moments when you're expecting nothing to happen, where it looks like it's just a normal visual, <laughs> all of a sudden, boom, jump scare. Jump scares that are not annoying. Jump scares that work effectively, too, I might add. Like, this is not one of those, like, teeny movies where it's like, oh, stupid jump scare every five minutes. It's not that kind of a jump scare. And now I'm not going to lie. There, there was probably... Two jump scares that I predicted were coming right away. I'm not going to say this movie is unpredictable. It's not It's not reinventing the wheel. 
So you're going to see some things that we've seen many times before in these kinds of movies. But it's how well it was executed. The execution to this movie is just pinpoint perfect. And the story. The story is something that in a lot of ways is very relatable. It's a story of guilt, regret. Um, It's a story uh, that highlights the void of protection. You know, allowing this evil entity, whatever it be, the devil or whatever, that's it's surrounding the characters and playing with their strings like a marionette puppet with no control. You know, like, and I like the fact that they 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 highlight like, for example, Michael is atheist; he doesn't believe in the devil, but he knows he's not like he's seeing things. At one point, he sees his dead mother floating out in the fields. And he knows, like, okay, I might not believe in God, but what the fuck did I just see? Like, (laughs) I know my mother's dead. How she died is a mystery. A mystery that's never answered, by the way. There, there, there's very deceptive moments in this movie where it seems like a dream, but is it actually real? Or what we think is real is actually a dream. It does a lot of this head fuckery. As, and I saw that, I actually saw that word used in two different reviews. Head fuckery. This movie will play with your head and it it's like it's taking you for a ride through hell but it's like the thing you never knew you wanted and now you have it you want more which leads to the ending which in this review I am not going to spoil the ending I will say though where I've seen complaints, where I've heard complaints, where I've talked with certain... A couple of my friends have watched this movie based on my you know, my recommendation to them. And it seems like it's the same thing that gets the complaints. The ending to this movie. Because some feel there there's unanswered questions with this movie. Some feel the ending is too abrupt. And some people actually, and this is not from my friends, this is uh, other reviews and whatnot that I read. Some people feel that the buildup in this movie leads to nowhere. That we we spend this whole movie building up, building up, building up, building up, and then failure at the end. And of course, then we get the typical, this movie sucks. (laughs) Thanks for your input. Now let's return back to the program. Um, I'm going to go opposite of this. This is how I saw the ending of this movie. And best way to put it is, is I love that the movie leaves things unanswered. It leaves them undone. I like that unsettled linger effect. The linger effect that when the movie's done, you're still thinking about it. And you're pondering shit and you're questioning and you're wondering and you're creating your own thoughts i like movies like that one thing when i was a kid growing up one thing i always loved was i loved a movie that when it ended i wanted to create my own further story for that movie 
Last Starfighter was a great one. Last Starfighter was... Granted, Last Starfighter probably has a better ending in terms of conclusion and, like, you know, coming to to terms with its story at the end than this does. But we see Alex get into the ship and he flies back off into space to go join the Armada again. And that's where the movie ends. And then you can create your own story in your mind. This doesn't do it like that um, because this movie does not answer questions raised within the movie. We never do find out if it's the devil or not. Um, We don't know why this entity picked this family. That's left up to us to decide. And I like that the movie is brave enough to leave that to us. It doesn't give its reasons. It doesn't have to exposit every element of the film. It allows us to think on it, maybe discuss it, debate it. This would have been a great movie for me to actually have you know, a co-host on this show for, because it would have been nice to discuss back and forth different opinions on this movie. That's what I like about this movie. It allows, it's, it's standing on its own strength and it's giving credit to its audience, allowing them to fill in the holes however they feel it should be fit. It's basically saying to its audience, you are smart enough we believe in you. We have faith in you. You you decide what you think happened, what you just saw. I like that about this movie. That that's one thing that I've I've seen a lot of people and heard from certain people that's what they didn't like about this movie. They wanted that conclusion. I've seen too many films that ruin themselves by giving us that conclusion. So for once, as much as, yes, there are some films that I definitely want the full story. You know, I want the full three acts. I want the third act to explain everything that I just saw in the first two. This, on the other hand, because of how it worked and how it was laid out, I didn't mind that there's unanswered questions. Because each person is going to uh, approach this film from their own experiences. Um, I personally am an atheist. I have friends who are religious. I have friends who are not. We each will approach that entity in this movie a different way. That's what I like about this movie. It It didn't feel the need to have to tell you what you saw. It's showing you the story and saying, what do you think? And I like that. The reception of this movie, for the most part, has been through the roof. Um, and I, 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 as I said myself, like you know, the 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 this segment has been called "This is how you make a scary movie." I've actually seen that comment online. People saying, "This is how you make a scary movie." Um, take for example, and I went on Shutter site. I was like, you know what? I always get like I always get like specific reviewers and whatnot for their comments. This time, I went just straight to the viewers. I went to, I went to Shutter fans. You know, people that subscribe to Shutter watch this movie and they posted their thoughts afterwards on the on the website. And these are some of the quotes. Uh, first off, creepy, tragic atmosphere. There are, there are wicked things in the world and they come for whoever they want. 
Another quote, similar themes of grief and guilt as seen in offerings such as the Babadook and Hereditary. This is a beautifully bleak and layered tale with great performances. Absolutely. Another quote, undoubtedly one of the finest horror films of the last decade. It's genuinely hair-raisingly scary, and it's the best kind of horror, one that uses the supernatural metaphorically to explore the inner demons of human psychology. The film really gets in your head and stays there a while. Yes, the linger effect. Absolutely, this movie has that. Uh... Final quote I grabbed, yes, great movie, very tense, superb acting, uneasy music, loved it. Which, yes, I must add, the score by Tom Schrader is creepy and gorgeous. It is not a typical movie score. It is not something you would hear from Ennio Morricone or Goblin or Jerry Goldsmith. It's very minimalistic, but it accentuates every scene to the best it can when it needs to. And that is, again, it's on Bandcamp and it's name your price. So feel free to check it out. Um, IMDb has the rating at a 6.1 out of 10 with 6 and 7 being the highest common ratings. 92% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes from critics. Audience score has it at 63% fresh. Metacritic has the movie at a 72 out of 100, but the user score is a 6.2 out of 10. Roger Ebert listed the movie, uh, rogerebert.com, sorry, uh, listed the movie at a 3 out of 4 stars. And I will point out, while it seems that the critics heavily favor this movie, um, there's, there's been complaints from horror fans, but it always seems to hover around the same two aspects. Either the slow burn effect, because people, a lot of fans, not all, but a lot of fans are not a big, you know, they don't care for the slow burn effect, and the ending of the film. People do not like how this movie ended. The Podcast Zero rating is as follows, and I did this really quick because I have talked a lot of my opinion. You don't need me to repeat a whole lot. But I will say this. For me, this is my idea of a good horror film. This is what a horror film needs to be. It didn't coddle me with reasons and exposition and happy endings. I don't need that for every horror film. Yes, I love my 80s films, and you know I love seeing a happy ending at you know some of these movies and whatnot, but I didn't need that for this one. Life isn't always fair, and not everything balances out in the world. It's, come on. It, look where we are today. Okay? I mean, you you don't need more proof. Look out your fucking window. That's life, okay? It's not fair, and not everything is going to balance out, and not everything is going to happen the way you want it to. If anything has been learned in 2020 and 2021, it's that. So if an evil entity just happens to pick a family to terrorize and pick apart for no other reason than it chose them, and that's that, I'm fine with it. I'm okay with this movie being the way it is. I'm okay with it being dark, brooding, heavy, damp, isolated horror. That's what this is. It's not for everyone. But for this podcast host, host, sorry, this is very much what I've been looking for. This is the kind of movie that I've been wanting to see for some time. And I will say, while the gore levels are kept to a very minimum in this, there is one scene 
Yeah. Not that it's overly gory. It's just... It hit a personal fear of mine. So watching it, I was like, why'd you have to go and do that? But I loved it for it. Again, sort of like the movie Frozen. Made me squirm. I love you for it. Thank you. I've said just about everything I can say about this movie, except giving it a final score, which from this podcast host, it's a 9 out of 10. It's deserves a high rating not everyone is going to walk away from this blown away but i sure did and i feel no shame at all in giving it a movie giving this movie a grand score of nine out of ten it it, it's definitely up there and i know the blu-ray hasn't been released here in canada yet but the second it does get released in canada i am grabbing this one like this is going to be a blu-ray addition to the library for sure it's it was kind of funny because i I saw comments online where people were saying you know they love this movie they'll never watch it again and i was kind of the exact opposite i'm like not only am i going to watch it again i'm going to review this on the podcast it scrapped the plans i had originally i was i'll say this originally i was either I was either going to review the 1995 Mortal Kombat movie because we got that trailer, the trailer for the new Mortal Kombat movie, which that looks like it's going to be fucking great. But anyways, so we saw that trailer and I was like, "Mm, conveniently, I was that was one of the two movies I was toying with. So I was like, okay, I'm settled on that. But then I also was kind of thinking I wanted to just do a a stupid slasher movie so I was going to go with The Burning which actually has been requested by a fan so it's coming soon so it was between The Burning and Mortal Kombat and then I watched this movie and I'm like both of you sit down because I'm reviewing this movie instead and that's how that happened Um, I just I completely changed my mind and was like I'm going with Dark and the Wicked so 9 out of 10 that's that And on that note, I'd like to thank you all for listening to the show. Thank you for coming back. It's really interesting listening to some of those older shows and thinking to myself, wow, for how much much I sounded like an angry little man. For those of you who are still listening to the show, thank you so much for that. Um, I'm going to end this quickly. I've talked a lot. So we'll just get into the social media things. Where to find the show. Lurker's recommendation. We'll close out with a track from the the soundtrack of The Dark and the Wicked. A song called Darkness Stalls. Um, But yeah. So where to find the show. And I never say this. I'm going to say this this week. You can find it at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, and whatnot. Um, it would be really cool if you haven't, if uh, wherever you listen to the show from, maybe rate and review it or you know share it or whatever. Um, I don't normally ask that of people because, I mean, as long as you're listening, that's all. As long as I have a few listeners, I'm happy. I, I'm, not, I'm not one that needs all the glam and glory and whatnot. But, I mean... 
it'd just be kind of cool to see some reviews and whatnot. I know on iTunes for the U.S., there's actually, I think, four or five reviews for the show, which is really kind of cool. Um, so, yeah, I just thought I'd mention that. Uh, if you don't listen to the show through, you know, podcast apps and whatnot, uh, you can go to the nextlevelnetwork.com. Nextlevelnetwork.com slash podcast zero is where you'll find the show. You can also find it at what lurks behind podcast zero.com. My goal this year for the website is to actually commit myself to doing more written work for this podcast and this endeavor of mine. I know that pretty much the website has been <laughs> go here, find episodes. But I think this year I want to try actually doing a few written word things. Um, we'll see how that pans out. I have to start motivating myself a little bit more. So, Which is interesting because whenever I... It was like For those of you who are on my personal account, whenever I watch a movie, I always write a little blurb about you know the movie I've watched, what, what I grabbed from it, and what I saw, and, you know why people should watch the movie and whatnot and i i'm like why don't i just take that and put it on the website and so hopefully you know this lazy butthole can actually (laughs) motivate himself to actually do that this year that's what my intentions are uh social media you can find the show on facebook instagram and twitter facebook.com slash what lurks behind podcast zero on Instagram at What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero and on Twitter at WLB Podcast Zero. Lurker's recommendation. So I found out, which is weird, because I follow Arrow Video on Facebook. And as a matter of fact, I follow them on Twitter as well, but I don't use Twitter that often. And they promoted it on the Facebook page, but for some reason I never noticed it. Then I got my Scream magazine. I, I have a subscription to Scream magazine out of the UK. Got my magazine. I was leafing through the pictures, reading some of the articles and whatnot. And on the back page, I saw that Arrow Video had their own streaming website. I was like, oh, there was a promo code for three months at half price and whatnot. So it's like, I'm going to check this out. Now, granted, some of the movies on there, I already have the Blu-ray releases from Arrow Video. Um, you know, movies like Society, Doom Asylum, uh, Blood Rage, whatnot. I, I have some of these movies already. So, I mean, seeing them on a streaming site, it's like, wow. It saves me having to put the disc in the Blu-ray player. But other than that, I have these movies. But there's a lot of movies on there that I don't have. And the first 30 days trial are free. I was like, all right, whatever. So I see this movie on there called The Ghost Waits. I mentioned earlier that I, I watched that. Rue Morgue had recently done a review on it, which kind of piqued my interest. So I was like, I'm going to give this movie a chance. And I'm glad I did. It's a very interesting flick. Um, to watch it, you, it looks very cheaply made, but don't let that be a detraction. As much as it looks like it might have been filmed on an iPhone and edited on a PC. I will say this. The story is interesting, intriguing, funny, and absolutely worth watching. Um, I wouldn't... 
I don't know that this would be physical format quality from myself, but I mean, says a guy who has, you know, Beast from Haunted Cave on <laughs> on physical format, but um, it, it, it's interesting to watch. It, it, it was kind of fun. So I'm going to sort of recommend this week, check out Arrow Video streaming app or the streaming web. Like if you go on the website, you can stream through the, the PC or you can download the app on Android, iTunes. Um, I have it for Roku. I have a Roku TV, so it's on Roku. Uh, the streaming service works great, by the way. It, everything is beautiful HD. Uh, no, there's no buffering. There's no backlog or anything like that. Like it, it just it runs very smoothly. And there's good selection of movies on there. I think I have like 53 or 54 movies marked on there that I hope to watch in the coming months. So. I recommend that, and I recommend giving the movie A Ghost Waits a chance. Um, like I said, it, right from the beginning, you're going to watch this movie and go, well, it, it seems like it was, you know, made in some dude's house. Yeah, it probably was, and it's awesome for it. So that's Lurker's recommendation. Close out with a talk from, or a talk, a track from Tom Sh- uh, Schrader. Darkness Stalls, episode 88. Let's just say it will be episode 88. You'll understand when that episode drops. That's that for me. Thank you for tuning in. And um, yes, I highly, highly recommend The Dark and the Wicked absolutely recommend this one another movie quickly just quickly another movie that i recommend sort of in the same vein as the dark and the wicked a movie called the vigil which pretty much the best way to explain this movie is it's a supernatural movie with a jewish twist and i've never seen a horror film that used jewish customs in its storytelling so it was a very interesting film because I really didn't know much about the history of like Jewish customs especially when someone has passed away and this movie used that as part of its narrative and it was awesome it was really well done so mention that too The Vigil there that's actually another Lurker's recommendation. Check out the movie The Vigil. It it was worth it. And that's that. I'm done. It's cut. You need to shut the fuck up.
Darkness, darkness.